Yo, 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 yo. Pop a 40 and check your rollies. It's crime time. Welcome to the season two debut of hashtag DITD down in the den, the best podcast for all things pop culture. Welcome. I've missed Jaws. 2020 has been crazy. Um, but before I begin, I'd like to just uh, have a moment of silence and uh, send my condolences, peace and love and Rest in peace to um, some iconic figures that we've uh, recently lost since we've been off the air. Uh, Jerry Stiller, uh, Betty Wright, Andre Harrell, uh, Little Richard, Roy Horn, and, uh, of course, Shad Gaspart as a huge pro wrestling fan. Uh, I I was a big fan of uh, Crime Time, and uh, I always thought they were a very underrated an underutilized tag team, and he seemed like he was a really, really good guy. Uh, it was a, uh, went out heroically, and uh, I just like to send um, just nothing but love and prayers to his family. Uh, definitely a heroic figure and, and a huge loss uh, in the wrestling community as well as just life in general. Uh, but I, I just want to start off. Uh, whew, it's, it's been so much going on so we're just going to start off talking about uh the world of music and and what's been going on lately and i think the biggest news in music is uh, none other other than probably the most controversial artist not in hip-hop but in music altogether is uh six nine six nine is out six nine is back six nine is number three on the billboard chart breaking all types of records uh with just be frank and and I'm not being a hater because I'm an old head but just making terrible music I I mean I don't know what's going to happen to this guy I thought the worst thing that could possibly happen already happened but he seems like he's made a Teflon and he definitely feels he's made a Teflon because the way he's moving right now is uh reckless beyond reckless and um but I mean there's really nothing he can do he can't reform he can't go back and and, uh, you know, he has to keep this persona in, uh, in order to make money. So he has to do what he has to do. And I, I just hope the kid can stay safe. Young kid has made a ton of mistakes, ton of terrible mistakes. It's hard to have empathy and sympathy for some of these mistakes he's made because he definitely did them on purpose. And, and I, I really th- feel like he can't be touched right now. He's embroiled in a huge few of Snoop. Uh, he's accused Snoop of, of being a snitch, which in the hip-hop community and, and the hood, quote-unquote the hood, is, is just the worst label you can have is being a rat. Um, we know Sid Sign is, and he's embraced it, and he's showed that this new generation of fans, these younger kids, his audience don't care. They don't care about a code or street code, nor should they. It's entertainment to them they're not in that life so they they shouldn't have to care uh but what it does show is uh, a lack of moral character from this guy and and his music isn't good enough to justify this you know we've canceled r kelly we've can't you know terrible person but makes great music 
Uh, this guy's a terrible person and makes terrible music and for some reason not canceled yet. He doesn't have any redeeming qualities, but uh, uh, it, it, it's been crazy. I mean, it says here that he made a, a broke a record on YouTube. We broke a record on Instagram, and it's crazy. We've been having uh, since this pandemic and, and since the world has pretty much been put on pause, people have had to use other methods and, and other creative methods and outlets uh, to get out there and still be famous and still be relevant when you can't go on tours and you really can't go on talk shows unless it's a Zoom meeting and uh, Instagram Live and YouTube and, and things of that nature has has been great. The Versus Vitals have been great for the culture. But when you see queens like Erica Badu and, and Jill Scott get like 780,000 views, which is nothing to... Uh, laugh at it's great for them but then you see somebody like 69 get 2 million plus views and you're like well where where are we as a people that we're gonna give uh, so much attention and I think it's more like people want to watch a train train wreck you know it goes back to the Roman times with people want to see get torn limb to limb, limb from limb from lion. It, it, it's human nature. It's, it's no different from then as it is now. Right now, 6 9 is in the lion's den, and people want to see if he gets torn limb from limb. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's just really sad. It's, it's really depressing. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, also, a shout-out to... Uh, Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj, Megan Stallion, Beyonce, uh, Megan The Stallion and Beyonce uh, made a record first time for black women have occupied the top two spots in the Billboard charts. Uh, you love to see it. That that was really cool and uh, really good to see women embracing other women instead of feuding. Uh, but with all the good news. Here comes the drama. Apparently, uh, something, a hashtag that's going around uh, Doja Cat is cancel party. And this cancel culture, you know, this is really annoying because people, I feel in some situations, there are definitely some people that should be canceled. <clears throat> Donald Trump. Um, there's some people that have proven to be canceled, but the people that they cancel, they cancel for things that, in many cases, they're done themselves. They're hypocrites. And, and that's one thing I can't stand as a hypocrite. Um, so people are apparently canceling Doja Cat, who is, I believe, biracial. I'm, I'm not 100% certain. But apparently she's been caught in several chat rooms or talk rooms. I, I don't I didn't even know people still went to chat rooms like it was 1994. But uh, apparently she's been in racist chat rooms, and I don't know if that's her form of trolling, if she has some type of self-hatred going on, if this is really her her feelings. Uh, but people are saying, oh, she's racist. Well, she can't be racist. You know, that, that, that's one thing. If she's biracial, she can't, she can't be racist. Uh, she may have some prejudice, and she may have some self-hatred, but, you know, that's her thing. Uh, I don't know, but evidence until I see the actual evidence I, I'm gonna hold off making on the judgment if that's really her views and you know that, that's her views you know buy her or don't buy her music but 
the whole cancel culture is is just getting super old. Um, now, in the sports world, <clears throat> which has pretty much been non-existent except for pro wrestling, um, the only thing that's been holding us down this year, probably the best thing of 2020, the 10-part Michael Jordan Last Dance series, uh, this docu-series has reinvigorated debate and talk and and uh it's really cool for people i I was born in nineteen eighty so I have been blessed to see uh lots of magic in my lifetime, lots of bird, lots of Jordan, lots of Kobe, lots of LeBron Shaq Allen Averson. I was born in a perfect time because I don't remember a time where basketball didn't have a superstar but with anything, there's going to be debate which person of this era would beat this person of this era who's the greatest of all time. I don't think you can have a greatest of all time, per se, because basketball is a team sport. You can rate people with numbers that support the best scorer, the best person, uh, the best passer, the most efficient shooter. These are things that are not up for debate. There's statistics that can prove it. And that's all you can really say in basketball. It's really tiresome when someone says, oh, Kobe is the GOAT, which is, you know, a very valid opinion. Jordan is the GOAT, which is a valid opinion. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the GOAT. LeBron James is the GOAT. No one's the GOAT. For number number one, the whole argument is a foul, greatest of all time. Time is not ending. We don't know... Who's going to come 10 years from now or three years from now? Who's about to to peak? So you can't say greatest of all time. Full stop right there. You can only say greatest of their era. That's the argument that people need to really make. And I look at an era as a decade, a decade of dominance, 10 years. Who was the best player in the 50s, the best players in the 60s, the best players in the 70s, the best player in the 80s? Because the game has changed. Things have evolved so you can only say the greatest of, of that particular era. Now, I believe Jordan was the greatest of his era. In the 90s, there was no player more powerful, more dominant, uh, and it shows six rings in, uh, out of uh, 10 in a decade is pretty dominant. So, yeah, Jordan's the best player of the 90s. I would say Kobe Bryant. Is the best player of the 2000s. He won five rings in that decade. Um, I would have to say LeBron is the best of the 2010s. Uh, he's the most dominant player, and in, in, in now we're in the 2020s, and we'll see who's going to dominate this uh, decade. But this whole argument... It, it just doesn't make any sense. And I wish we can just get a consensus that you can never say the greatest of all time, only the greatest of their era. And then everything else is stats, facts. The best shooter, who I don't know, but percentage-wise, can be looked up. So it, it it's anything other than that. It's just your personal opinion. And people are going to be fond of who they're going to be fond of. But these, unless you can actually see these people played, together or play at the same time then there's no way for you to say the greatest of all time so it's it's and it's a team sport so it's just a debate that has to end uh now the other 
sport or athletic event that's been going on is the new era of empty arena wrestling, which has been extremely difficult for me to digest. I just don't like it. Uh, And I was wondering why. I, I don't like any of the shows in empty arenas, the Impact, AEW, NXT, SmackDown, Raw. I don't like any of them. But the one that's been the most easy to digest, the one that I can actually tolerate the most, has been AEW. And I was wondering, because I don't feel the quality of wrestling or the quality of the storylines have been any better in AEW versus any of the other uh, pro wrestling groups. I don't feel... Um, they've got the best stars or the best product, but it's been the easiest to digest, the most natural to watch. And I went and I, I couldn't figure out why. I'm a huge NXT fan, and I feel they've been putting on amazing matches that have just fallen flat. Um, I've feel Drew McIntyre. I feel so bad for this guy. Edge, I feel so bad for this guy right now because they deserve to be performing right now in front of 25,000, 30,000, 40,000 people and it would make their product so much better. But with that being said, my eye sticks on AEW and it's all in the presentation. They darken their arena. They use the other wrestlers as an audience, they have Chris Jericho on commentary sometimes. They're doing everything to mask that there's not a big audience without it looking cheesy. And it helps because they're not as crisp and clear as a, as WWE. WWE, even NXT, SmackDown, Raw, even though they have different stars, it all looks the same and I always thought that it would benefit if they made it as different as possible. And it really shows when you when you put the Raw set or the WrestleMania set or the SmackDown set in the Full Sail Performance Center, it looks exactly the same, just the color. And they pretty much just shrunk their stage down that they use. So there's pros and cons, and innovation comes out of necessity. And there's been some pros, the cinematic matches, which I really give credit to Matt Hardy for, have uh, really taken off. Um, But there's some things that they could do that I think could really mask that it's not 30,000 people in the audience. And number one, they need to find some place other than the performance center because it looks like they're wrestling in a classroom because they are wrestling somewhat in a classroom. They need to kind of copy off AEW, which copied off of Lucha Underground, a dark arena where you don't see that uh, it's just empty out there. And put some people in the audience. If it's the other wrestlers, make it like an actual sport, sitting on the bench watching uh, some innovation uh, needs to be thought of right now. Right now, I don't feel that WWE is really... uh, thinking outside of the bots. You see AEWs in the football field as a place for them to wrestle and and be creative and putting other wrestlers 
in the uh, sideline having uh, Chris Jericho on uh, commentary. WWE started doing that with uh, Triple H, but then they went back to their regular announcers. What I would like to do, WWE can do does something better than I think any professional league, better than NBA, better than NFL, better than Major League Baseball, better than soccer. WWE's production value is probably the best, bar none, especially when it comes to putting packages together. When they put a package or a documentary, I almost like their documentaries, like the one with The Undertaker right now, The Last Ride, better than the actual product. And they have so much content right now. If I was Vince McMahon, I would send my wrestlers home. I would pay them. And then I would use some of this fantastic content and some of your fantastic editors and creative minds to put out best matches on Raw. You can put a whole Raw with best Shawn Michaels matches with special commentary from the people that he fought off. How awesome would it be to watch that Raw with two hours or three hours of uh, Shawn Michaels matches with interviews, the Nets Raw, best Undertaker match. You have all this content, best Sting matches, best Ric Flair matches. That's what I would do. Every Raw, I would have a new documentary, three hours, content with interviews, with matches, was going behind the matches for a different superstar, focusing on a different superstar, The Rock, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Ric Flair, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Macho Man Randy Savage, Goldberg, etc., etc. You can do something like The Last Ride, mixed with matches and commentary, and pull that from the, the WWE network that you already have and fill that content while keeping your wrestlers safe suspend the storylines for now until you can get back in the arenas and use that content because you can do that essentially a highlight reel that AEW can't because they've only been around a year ring of honor really can't tna really can't they can't do any of those that's what i would do um and i would have postponed wrestlemania and all the big events but that's not what we're doing so they really have to figure out what they are going to do um, moving forward because the ratings reflect that I am not the only one that finds wrestling without fans impossible to watch. It's really almost impossible to watch, which is a shame because these performers, these superstars, these pro wrestlers, these athletes go out every night and risk their lives to entertain us, and they're not getting that energy they're not they're they're feel like cogs in a machine and and i know it has to be disheartening and and more importantly uh people like roman reigns and Sami Zayn, they're they're not gonna be able to uh, participate right now because it's just it's just really not safe so it's a a tough road it's a tough road uh some other things that are going on now in uh TV and film right now, uh, that world has been chaotic. It's been completely chaotic because everything's shut down. No one knows 
when we're going to go back to normal. Things have been postponed. My whole summer of Marvel Phase 4 has been ruined. But there have been some things that I've been enjoying. Uh, Rick and Morty, second half of the season, has been really hilarious. The commentary is so meta this year. And uh, the most recent episode uh, was the episode where uh, Rick, the Vat of Asset episode, I believe, was the title of the episode where the whole concept and spoiler alert it's it's been over a week so hopefully you've seen it but spoiler alert if you don't want to know what happened in last week's rick and morty turn off now but rick is on a standard rick and morty mission it's very similar to batman they're gonna make a trade for some jewels for some other jewels and uh rick has a fake vat of acid set up with bones and breathing tubes in case the deal goes awry. And, of course, it does. Rick and Morty jump into the vat, and Morty just hates his idea. He thinks it's dumb. And all of a sudden, after they've jumped in this fake vat of acid, their bones have floated to the top. Instead of being able to make their escape, the gangsters that they're escaping from have an existential crisis, and they just talk for hours on end while they're sitting there. And it ends up with Morty just losing his patience and going out and them shooting their ways out standard style. And they have this argument. They have this argument that Rick doesn't listen to Morty's ideas. Morty feels that Rick only does what he wants to do. Uh, And then they get such an awesome, interesting concept where they're doing a... um, kind of like the movie Click with Adam Sandler where Rick designs this remote where he can save his place in time just like a video game. So, obviously, he gets this uh, in the hands of Morty and obviously chaos ensues with all these cool um, scenarios where Morty is talking to Jessica. He makes a mistake starts time and now he kind of ignores her and uses reverse psychology and now she's into him and he falls in love and it's a really unique episode where he pretty much lives all of these lives uh over and over again and um only to find out uh that the twist was it wasn't to teach morty a lesson it was just to prove that his out of acid idea was a, a good idea. And there's a lot of gray areas that I'm leaving out because I'm trying to avoid as many spoilers as possible. But uh, Rick and Morty has just been a lifesaver. I just wish we could get more uh, episodes. Uh, I watch Justin Rowland's other show, Solar Opposites, and uh, that was... Very good. Very similar in the vein of Rick and Morty. Um, Their tone is very similar. Of course, uh, you know, it's one half of the creative mind uh, behind that show. But you can tell Dan Harmon is a little bit more dialed in where they're going with the story. Uh, But I do like Solar Opposites. That's been keeping me sane uh, during this pandemic. Season two of Afterlife, uh, Ricky Gervais' show, is really sad and really dark and really funny and really tragic and really 
heartwarming and just a really, really good show. I like season one a bit better than season two, but uh, I feel season two is a little bit darker um, than season one. But overall, still just a fantastic show. And I hope Ricky Gervais wins every creative award he can win for the series because it's been one of the most uh, dynamic new shows that I've seen with just such consistency between the first and second season. Uh, reminds me of uh, uh, Atlanta, not the concept or anything, but just how the quality has been consistent. So really, really a big fan of Afterlife. Uh, Westworld, that just finished. That was really good. Uh, I really like being out of the park. Uh, still confusing. They haven't lost that. And I have to watch uh, some of the episodes two or three times before it sinks in. But I like that. It, it makes me think, and I'm very curious to see what's going to happen next season. It has been renewed, obviously, but with the time framing and with the pandemic, we probably won't see uh, another season for another two years, and, and that is conservative. So who knows? Uh, New Mutants in, in, in the film world, New Mutants has finally got a release date, which uh, is just hilarious to me. I don't know why they don't just release it to Disney Plus. Maybe it's too dark. I don't know. Or release it to Hulu or something like that. But apparently it does have a release date. So we'll see. I'm not even going to name the release date because I'm sure by the time this comes out it'll change. But it has been given a new release date. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. They don't have nothing to Say it ain't so, Joe. Now, season two, even though I'm still going to always bring you things in pop culture, we're always going to be talking about music, sports, movies. I said in season one that we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. And this year, politics is going to be on the floor. Now, I understand it's one of the most divisive topics out there. But I'm pretty comfortable talking about it simply because this is probably the most important election in American history. And that's not hyperbole. That's not exaggeration at all. The fate of the free world really depends on what happens this November. And unfortunately, we don't have the best options in front of us. And it's such... A travesty. You know, I've always been somewhat of a democratic socialist. I've called it an idealist. Uh, it's like John Lennon's song, Imagine. That's a pretty socialistic, maybe even communistic song when you really break down the lyrics. But a lot of presidential candidates have used it with their vision of this country. But the country, honestly, has not had that vision for its people. And it's not that the idea of America is a bad thing. The idea of America is beautiful. The idea that every man is created equal is amazing. The idea that justice is blind is heartwarming. But unfortunately, we live in a country that while the values and the words and the ideals of America 
are the greatest in the world, we've fallen far short as a people. And when I say as a people, I mean as Americans to answering that goal. And we're not too far off from a country that had Jim Crow laws. Not at all. That that was around in my grandparents' time period. So we're talking two generations away from a country that you couldn't drink at a water fountain if you were a person of color. You couldn't eat food at the same counter if you were a person of color. We're two generations away. So I know I have a lot of views that my grandparents had. So I would imagine that there's a lot of Americans out there who grandparents came up where it was perfectly acceptable to be racist and they were indoctrinated in those views. And that indoctrination of those racist views have passed along to the current generation. And it's high time that people start talking about race and start talking about it openly and honestly and having that dialogue if we're going to get past it, I have a Benetton heart. Uh, some of my best friends are uh, people that aren't black. I have white friends, uh, Asian friends, Hispanic friends, uh, in friends from India, wh- whatever you whatever you want all over the world. I've always said that deep down inside, there's only two type of people in this world. Good people. And assholes. That's it. That's really where it boils down to. And I do believe the majority of people in the world are good people. Unfortunately, the assholes seem to rise to the top because they're not afraid to step on anyone and everything to get power and keep power. And that's really where we're at. I have conservative friends, but my conservative friends are not like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not a conservative. Don't let anyone tell you that he is. Donald Trump's not even a Republican. That's just the hood that he wears. That's what he runs on. And what Donald Trump is, and the facts are there, uh, he's a white supremacist. He's a a racist, bigoted, white supremacist. At least that's his base. And if that's the base that you that that he would turn on them in a heartbeat, I believe, if it meant for him to keep in power. But it's a sad time in this world. And then we had so many wonderful options, progressive options that I believe would have really pushed this country forward. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Any of them would have been wonderful candidates to really, I believe, in my heart of hearts, bring America into the place that it needs to be. Because to be honest, this form of capitalist capitalism, this form of wealth disparity, this trickle-down Reaganomics, it's going to be either the death of this country or the rebirth of this country. And when I say rebirth, it it would have to fail. It would have to fail. And Donald Trump has brought this economy to the brink of failure. But the interesting part, that top 1% 
their wealth has increased. And that's how you know this game is rigged. When everything falls apart, when you have over 30 million Americans filing for unemployment, we're in a great, near Great Depression levels. We're seeing that the wealthiest of the wealthy not only increase their wealth, but dramatically increase the wealth. And you have people like Jeff Bezos on pace to be a trillionaire by 2026, but he won't even give his employees the proper PPE and safety equipment or time off. And that's how capitalism works. You have to have 99% of the people giving their resources, working hard for not a living wage, working hard and putting living paycheck paycheck so they can continue to do the shitty job that supports that 1%. That's how capitalism works. And they dangle that carrot in front of you that, hey, you too can be one of us, our 1%. Well, guess what? 99% of us can't be the 1%. Even the wealthiest of the celebrities are not in that 1%. If Jeff Bezos woke up with LeBron James' bank account, he would probably jump off a bridge because he would feel like he was on welfare. If that top percentage woke up with Oprah's money or Vince McMahon's money or Mark Cuban's money, they they would be they they wouldn't know what to do with themselves and and the majority of wealthy that one percent they're your venture capitalists they're your wall street banking people you don't even know what they did they didn't create anything new they didn't invent anything amazing they didn't uh build anything that you think would warrant that type of wealth they just played the rig game better than other people, and they've had the tools that usually been passed down generationally to play this rigged game. And America's gonna have to make a choice because we cannot go through another four years of Donald Trump. But the Democrats are making it so hard. We had great candidates, and they went with the establishment. Now, am I still gonna vote for Joe Biden? I have no problem saying yes. I am going to vote for Joe Biden, but it's begrudgingly. And as you can see at the top, that drop that I played, Joe Biden is is not the best candidate. Is he better than Trump? Yes. Yes, he is. But so is a, a, a actual orange would be better than Donald Trump. At least it wouldn't be corrupt. But if we hold on to this establishment, and that's what they're doing by making Joe Biden the nominee. We're in danger of apathy because there's some battleground states that Joe Biden is just not going to win. He, he's not going to win. And the reason while Barack Obama was so successful as far as getting the vote out, he invigorated the young. Most of this country is 50-50, half red, half blue. And then you have to get that small factor, the minorities that unfortunately don't normally vote, and the youth that unfortunately don't normally vote. Barack Obama, his charisma, 
his words, his encouragement, his intelligence, his grace, his overqualification for the job and being young and hip brought the minority base out and brought the youth out. And after eight years of an amazing presidency where the country was probably better than it's ever been in my lifetime, we stepped right back and elected to elect somebody that was, that not was, is a con artist. And this is a fat, a crook, which is a fat, a racist, which is a fat. And these aren't speculation. These things can be proven easily by his actions, by his words. He had no history in politics. He also has all the qualities of a fascist dictator. And he wants to be a fascist dictator. He doesn't understand checks and balances. He thinks he has supreme power. He admires the powers of a Kim Jong-un, of a Vladimir Putin. They're his role models. And he hates the media because the media has the ability to tell the truth, but they don't they won't put their foot on his neck. They have too much grace and dignity. This is life or death. And we have to do something. And I, I feel the best thing that we could do as a country would be for Joe Biden to step aside because I I feel this little he he's having too many issues connecting with the with the youth and he's having too many issues connecting with my minorities even though they say he has 81% of the black vote he should have 99% of the black vote 81% is not good that's what most democrats are going to hold normally and i feel either elizabeth warren should step in and or joe biden i'm sorry not joe biden um bernie sanders should step because those are the only two that can actually win. They're going to bring out the minorities or we're going to need Biden to speak less, Obama to speak more, and Biden's going to have to take some of those progressive tools on. He's going to have to step up and say, hey, I want to be the president that makes this country right. I want to talk about reparations because there's a counter culture that's coming out saying, hey, the black vote isn't free this year. And they've been taking it for granted. And when I say they, I mean Democrats have been taking it for granted for far too long. We want something in return. Well, we need to establish what we want right now, not in November, because then it's going to be too late. And we need Biden to jump on that. And if I was him, I would start talking about reparations. I would start talking about uh, freeing every person that's in jail for a marijuana charge and wiping their record and making it right. And reparations doesn't have to be another stimulus check for every black person. It could be the absolving of, you know, think out the box, absolve debt, uh, or, you know, a free college for a couple generations, or, uh, you know, 
anything. There, there's a lot of minds out there that are a lot smarter than mine on this subject, but something's going to have to happen now. And I hope some of our leaders, um, and right now the leaders in black culture are your, your Jay-Z's, your Beyonce's, your Diddy. They're, they're the ones with the voice. They need to coordinate and say, what are we going to do to get the youth out and get that vote so we can get 45 out of office? Because I don't think the world can survive another four years, and I hate to be a pessimist, but that's how I feel. But anyway, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, season two is well underway. Hashtag DITD. Uh, share. Tell your friends about it. Season two is underway. I love you, and as always, deuces. <laughs>